Bhagwan. Sabhuti was one of Buddha's disciples. He was able to understand the potency of emptiness, the viewpoint that nothing exists except in its relationship of subjectivity and objectivity. One day, when Sabhuti was sitting under a tree in a mood of sublime emptiness, flowers began to fall around him. We are praising you for your discourse on emptiness, the gods whispered to him. But I have not spoken of emptiness, said Subhuti. You have not spoken of emptiness. We have not heard emptiness, responded the gods. This is true emptiness. And blossoms showered upon Subhuti as rain. Yes, it happens. It is not a metaphor. It is a fact. So don't take this story metaphorically. It is literally true. Because the whole existence feels happy, blissful, ecstatic, when even one individual soul achieves the ultimate. We are part of the whole, and the whole is not indifferent to you cannot be, how a mother can be indifferent to a child, her own child. It is impossible. When the child grows, the mother also grows with him. When the child is happy, the mother is also happy with him. When the child dances, something in the mother also dances. When the child is ill, the mother is ill. When the child is miserable, the mother is miserable, because they are not two, they are one. Their hearts beat in a rhythm. The whole is your mother. The whole is not indifferent to you. Let this truth penetrate as deeper as possible in your heart. Because even this awareness that the whole feels happy with you will change you. Then you are not alienated. Then you are not a foreigner here then you are not a homeless wanderer. Then this is a home. And the whole mothers you, cares about you, loves you. So it is natural that when somebody becomes a Buddha, 
and somebody reaches to the ultimate peak, the whole existence dances, the whole existence sings, the whole existence celebrates. Literally true it is. It is not a metaphor, otherwise you will miss the whole point. Blossoms sour. And then they go on souring, they never stop. The blossoms that soured for Buddha are still souring. The blossoms that soured for Subhuti are still souring. You cannot see them. Not because they are not souring, but because you are not capable of seeing them. Existence goes on celebrating infinitely. For all the Buddhas that have happened, for all the Buddhas that are happening, and for all the Buddhas that will happen. Because for existence, past, future and present don't exist. It is a continuity. It is eternity. Only the now exists, infinite now. They are still souring, but you cannot see them. Unless they sour for you, you cannot see them. And once you see them souring for you, you will see them, they are being souring for, for every Buddha for every enlightened soul. The first thing, existence cares what happens to you. Existence is continuously praying that the ultimate should happen to you. In fact, you are nothing but a hand extended by the whole to reach the ultimate. You are nothing but a wave coming from the whole to touch the moon. You are nothing but a flower opening so that the whole is filled with fragrance through you. If you can drop yourself, those flowers can sour this very morning, this very moment. Gods are always ready. Their hands are always full with flowers. They simply watch and wait whenever somebody becomes a subhuti, empty. Whenever somebody is absent, suddenly the flowers they start souring. This is one of the basic facts. Without it there is no possibility of trust. Without it there is no possibility of your ever reaching to the truth. Unless the whole helps, there is no possibility for you to reach. How can you reach? 
and ordinarily just opposite is our mind. We think the whole as the enemy, not as the friend, never as the mother. We think about the whole as if the whole is trying to destroy you. We look at the whole through the door of death, not through the door of birth. It looks as if the whole is against you, fighting you, not allowing to reach your goals and aims, not allowing to be fulfilled. Hence, you go on constantly warring with it. And the more you fight, the more your misconception proves to be true. Because if you fight, your own fight is reflected through the whole. The whole supports you, remember. Even when you fight, the whole supports you. Even when you fight, and you are wrong, the whole supports you. This is the second truth to be understood well. If you don't understand, it will be difficult for you to proceed further. Even if you fight with the whole, the whole supports you, because the whole cannot do anything else than support. If you go wrong, still the whole cares about you. Even if you go wrong, the whole moves with you. If a child goes wrong, the mother still cares. If the child becomes a thief and is ill, the mother will still care. She cannot give poison to the child. If the child goes completely wrong, astray, the mother will still pray for him. That is the meaning of Jesus' story of two brothers. One went away, and not only away but Esther from the father, and wasted his part of the heritage and became a beggar, a gambler, a drunkard. Another remained with the father helped the business, worked on the farm and the gardens, increased the heritage, helped in every way, served in a surrendering spirit to the father. And then suddenly the news reached that the other brother has become a beggar and he begs on the streets and the father's whole heart started aching for him and all his prayers were for him, he completely forgot the one who was near. He remembered only one who has gone distant. In dreams, in his night, the other was present, but not the one who was close and working for him, who was good in every way. And then one day, the beggar son reached, and the father arranged a big feast. The good son was coming home from the farm and somebody told him, look at the injustice.
of your father. You love him, you care and serve him, and you have remained with him in absolutely good moral, never done anything against his wish, but never a feast was arranged for you. The fattest lamb has been murdered for your brother who has gone astray and he is coming like a beggar. And the whole house is celebrating. The son, the good son, felt very much hurt. This absurd. He went back home angry. He talked to his father, what are you doing? Never a feast has been given to me and I have been serving you. And what this other son has done for you, just wasted the heritage, gambled everything, and now he has come a beggar. The father said, yes, because you are so close and you are so good and you are so happy, I need not worry about you. One who has gone astray, my prayers follow him and my love follows him. And Jesus used to tell this story again and again to his disciples because he said, God can forget the saints. There is no need to remember them, but God cannot forget the sinners. If he is a father, and I tell you he is not a father, he is a mother. A father is not such a deep phenomena as a mother. That's why Hindus call him the mother. God is mother, a mothering. And Jesus said whenever it happens, if a seaford is coming back home and the sheep is lost, he leaves all the sheep in the forest in the dark night and goes to search and seek for the last one. And when the last sheep is found, he carries the last sheep on his soldiers and he rejoices and he comes home back and he feels very happy because one who was last has been found. Whenever it happens, we are all last sheep. Whenever a sheep is found again, the seaford rejoices, flowers start sovereign. Deities, gods, are not persons. In the East, they are natural forces. Everything has been personified just to give it a heart to it, a heartbeat, just to make it more caring. So Hindus, Buddhists, they have converted all the natural forces into gods and they are right. When Subhuti attained to emptiness, gods started sovereign. And the meaning is very beautiful. The sun is a god for Hindus and Buddhists. The sky is a god 
Every tree has its own God, deity. The air is God. The earth is God. Everything has a heart, that is the meaning. Everything feels, that is the meaning. Nothing is indifferent to you, that is the meaning. And when you attain, everything celebrates. Then the sun shines in a different way, the quality has changed. To those who are ignorant, everything remains the same. The sun shines in the old way, because the change of quality is very subtle and only one who is empty can feel it. It is not grass, the ego cannot feel it. The grass is the field of the ego. The subtle can be felt only when there is no ego. Because it is so subtle, if you are there, you will miss it. Even your presence will be enough disturbance. When one is totally empty, the quality of the sun immediately changes. They have a welcoming poetry about them. Their warmth is not only warmth, it has become a love, a loving warmth. The air is different, it lingers a little more around you. It touches you with more feeling, as if it has got hands. The touch is totally different. Now the touch has a sensitivity around it. The tree will flower, but not in the same way. Now the flowers are coming out of the tree as if they are jumping. It is said that whenever Buddha passed through a forest, trees will start blossoming even when it was not season for them. It has to be so, because man can err to recognize Buddha, how trees can err. Because man has a mind, and the mind may miss, but how the trees can miss? They don't have any minds. And when a Buddha walks in a forest, they start blossoming. It is natural, it has to be so, it is not a miracle. But you may not be able to see those flowers, because those flowers are not really physical. Those flowers are the feelings of the trees. When Buddha passes, the tree trembles in a different way, throbs in a different way, is no more the same. This is the meaning. The whole cares for you. The whole is your mother. Now try to understand this parable, one of the best. Subhuti was one of Buddha's disciples. 
Buddha has thousands of disciples. Subhuti was just one of them. Nothing special about him. Really nobody knows much about Subhuti. This is the only story about him. There were great disciples, well-known, famous, great scholars, princes. They had big kingdoms when they left and renounced and became disciples of Buddha. They had the name around them, but flowers didn't sour on them. Flowers has chosen this Subhuti who was just one of the disciples. Nothing special about him. Only then flowers sour. Otherwise you can become special around a Buddha also and you can miss. You can feel egoistic about being near Buddha also. You can create a hierarchy. You can say that I am not an ordinary disciple, I am something special. I am just next to Buddha. Others are just ordinary, a crowd, but I am not a crowd. I have a name, an identity of my own. Even before I came to Buddha, I was somebody. And they remained somebody. Sariputra came to Buddha, when he came, he had come with five hundred disciples of his own. He was a master. Of course, a master, unenlightened, knowing nothing, and still feeling that he knows, because he was a great scholar. He knew all the scriptures. He was a born Brahmin, and a very talented one, a genius, from his very childhood he was known for his great memory. He could memorize anything. Only once he had to read a scripture and it was already memorized. He was known all over the country. When he came to Buddha he was somebody. He became a disciple of Buddha, but he remained somebody. That somebodiness became the barrier. And these gods are just, seem to be very irrational, and they have chosen a disciple, Subhuti, who was just one in the crowd. Nothing is special about him. These gods seem to be crazy. They should have chosen Sariputta. He was the man to be chosen, but they have not chosen him. They have not chosen Ananda, Buddha's cousin brother. Buddha said continuously for forty years. For forty years, not for a single moment, he was away from Buddha. He will sleep in the same room. He will move with Buddha continuously by the side. He was the most well-known person. All the stories that Buddha have said, he starts 
telling them to Ananda. He says, Ananda, it happened this way. Ananda, once it happened. Ananda, and Ananda, and Ananda, he goes on repeating his name, but these gods are crazy. They have chosen Subhuti, and nobody, remember only nobodies are chosen. Because if you are somebody in this world, you are nobody in the other world. If here you are a nobody, you become somebody in the other world. Values differ. Here, grass things are valued, there subtle things are valued. And the most subtle, the subtlest is not to be. Subhuti lived in the crowd. Nobody even knew his name. And when this news reached that flowers are souring on Subhuti, everybody wondered who this Subhuti is. We never heard about him. Has it happened by some accident? Has gone, has God's chosen him wrongly? Because there were many who were higher in hierarchy. Subhuti must be the last. This is the only story about Subhuti. Try to understand it well. When you are near a great master, be a nobody. Gods are crazy. They will choose you only when you are not. And if you try to be, the more you succeed in to be somebody, the more you will miss. This is what we are doing in the world, and this we start doing around the Buddha also. You crave for riches. Why? because with riches you become someone. You crave for prestige and power. Why? Because with power and prestige you are not ordinary. You crave for learning, scholarship, knowledge. Why? Because with knowledge you have something to be proud of. But gods will not choose you that way. They have their own way of choosing. If you are yourself beating your drum too much, there is no need for gods to shower flowers on you. You are throwing flowers upon yourself. There is no need. When you stop being proud about anything, Suddenly, the whole existence starts being proud of you. Jesus says that those who are first in this world will be the last in the kingdom of my God, and those who are last will be the first. It happened. 
that a very rich man died and the same day a beggar in the town also died. The name of the beggar was Lazarus. The rich man went directly to the hell and Lazarus directly to heaven. The, the rich man looked up and saw Lazarus sitting near God and he cried from heaven that there seems that something has gone wrong. I should be there and this beggar Lazarus should be here. And God laughed and he said, those who are last should become the first and those who are first should become the last. You have enjoyed being first enough now let Lazarus enjoy it a little. And that rich man was feeling very hot, of course, in hell. You don't have any air conditioning yet. Burning hot, he was feeling very thirsty and no water. So he again cried and said, God, please at least send Lazarus with a little water, I am feeling very thirsty. And God said, Lazarus was many times thirsty, just dying at your door and you never gave him anything. He was dying hungry at your door. And there was every day a feast and many were invited. And he was always chased away by our servants from the door because guests were coming, powerful guests, politicians, diplomats, rich men and a beggar standing there would look awkward. Your servants chased him and he was hungry and the people who were invited were not hungry. You never looked at Lazarus. Now it is impossible. And it is said Lazarus laughed. It became a deep story for many, many Christian mystics to ponder over. It became just like a Zen comb. And in monasteries, Christian mystics have been asking again and again why Lazarus laughed. He laughed at the absurdity of things. He never knew that a nobody like Lazarus will ever enter heaven. He could never believe that this has happened. And he could not believe the other thing also that a rich man, the richest in the town, should go to the hell. He laughed. And Lazarus still laughs. And he will laugh when you will die also. If you are a somebody, he will laugh because you will be thrown. If you are nobody, just ordinary, he will laugh because you will be received.
in this world because egos exist. All valuations belong to the ego. In the other world, the other dimension, valuation belongs to egolessness. Hence, Buddha's emphasis on no selfness, anatta. He said, don't believe even that I am a soul, because that too can become a subtle ego. Don't say, Aham Brahmasmi, I am Brahma, I am the ultimate self. Don't say even that, because the I is very tricky. It can deceive you. It has deceived you for many, many lives. It can go on deceiving you. Simply say, I am not, and remain in that notness, remain in that nothingness, become empty of the self. One has to get rid of the self. Once the self is thrown away, nothing is lacking. You start overflowing and blossoms start falling on you. Subhuti was one of Buddha's disciples, remember one of. He was able to understand the potency of emptiness. He was just one in many. That's why he was able to understand the potency of emptiness. Nobody talked about him, nobody knew about him. He walked, he followed Buddha on many, many paths, his travels. Nobody knew that he is also there. If he had died, nobody would have become aware. If he has escaped, nobody would have known, because nobody ever knew that Subhuti was there. He knew by and by, being nobody, he knew the potency of emptiness. What is the meaning of it? Because the more he became a non-entity, the more he felt that the Buddha is coming closer to him. Nobody was aware, but Buddha was aware. Everybody wondered when these flowers soured on him. But it was not a surprise to Buddha. When it was reported to him that something has happened to Subhuti, Buddha said, I was waiting any moment it was going to happen. Because he has erased himself so much. Any day it was going to happen, there is no surprise in it for me. He was able to understand the potency of emptiness by being empty. You don't know the power of emptiness. You don't know the power of being totally absent within. You know only the poverty of the ego. But try to understand. With ego, have you ever felt really powerful? With ego, you always feel important. 
That's why the ego says, make your empire a little bigger, so that you can feel you are powerful. No, this house won't do, a bigger house is needed. No, this much bank allowance won't do, a bigger bank allowance is needed. No, this much fame won't do, a little more. The ego always asks for more. Why? If it is powerful, why go on asking for more? The very craving for more says, shows that the ego feels important. You have a million rupees and you are important. The ego says, no, one million won't do, have ten million of rupees. And I tell you, with ten million rupees you will be tenfold more important, that's all. And then the ego will say, no, this can't do. Nothing can do with ego. Everything proves only that you are important, powerless. The more power you gain, the more powerless you feel, in contrast. The richer you become, the poorer you feel. The more healthy you are, the more afraid of death. More young, and the old age is coming nearer. The opposite is just around the corner. And if you have a little understanding, the opposite is just reaching you, around your neck. The more beautiful, the more you feel the inner ugliness. Ego has never felt powerful. It only dreams of power. It thinks of power. It contemplates about power. But those are simply dreams and nothing else. And dreams are there just to hide the impotence that is within you. But dreams cannot hide the reality. Whatsoever you do, from here or from there, from a loophole, again the reality comes in and setters all dreams. Ego is the most important thing in the world. But nobody realizes because it goes on asking for more, it never gives you a space to look at the situation. Before you become aware, it pushes you further and further somewhere. Always the goal is somewhere near the horizon. And it is so near you think, by the evening I will reach. The evening never comes, the origin remains always at the same distance. Origin is an illusion. All the goals of ego are just illusions, but they give hope. And you go on feeling someday or other, I will become powerful. Right now you remain powerless, 
impotent, inferior, but in the future, in the hope, in the dream, you become powerful. You must be aware, many times just sitting on your chair you start daydreaming. You have become the emperor of the whole world or the president of the United States. And immediately you start enjoying it. Everybody looks at you. You have become the focal point of attention of all. Even that dream gives you exhilaration, intoxication. If you dream that way, you will walk in a different way. This is how it is happening to everybody. Your potency remains in the dreams, you remain important. Just the opposite is the truth. When you don't seek, it comes. When you don't ask, it is given. When you don't hanker, it is there. When you don't go to the horizon, suddenly you realize that it has been always yours. You never lived it. It is there inside and you seek it out. It is there within you and you go without. You are carrying it. The supremest power, the Divine itself, is in you. And you are looking here and there like a beggar. He was able to understand the potency of emptiness. Just being empty you will understand. There is no other way of understanding. Whatsoever you want, you want to understand, be that. Because that is the only way. Try being an ordinary man, nobody, with no name, no identity, with nothing to claim, with no power to enforce on others, with no effort to dominate, with no desire to possess, just being a non Try it and see how much powerful you become. How filled with energy and overflowing. So powerful that you can share your power. So blissful that you can give it to many, to millions. And the more you give, the more you are enriched. The more you share, the more it grows. You become a flood. He was able to understand the potency of emptiness just by being nobody. The viewpoint that nothing exists except in its relationship of subjectivity and objectivity. This is one of the deepest meditations Buddha discovered. He says everything exists 
in relation. It is a relativity. It is not an absolute substantial thing. For example, you are poor. I am rich. Is it a substantial thing or only just a relationship? I may be poor in relation to somebody else and you may be rich in relation to somebody else. Even a beggar can be rich in relation to another beggar. There are rich beggars and poor beggars. A rich man in comparison to a richer man is a poor man. You are poor. Is your poverty existential or just a relationship? It is a relative phenomenon. If there is nobody to be related to, who will be you? Poor man or a rich man? Think, suddenly the whole you know, humanity disappears and you are left alone on the earth. Who will be you? Poor or rich? You will be simply you. Not rich, not poor. Because how to compare? There is no Rockefeller to compare. There is no beggar to compare. Will you be beautiful or ugly when you are alone? You will be neither. You will be simply you. Nothing to compare how you can be ugly or beautiful. So beauty and ugliness, richness and poverty and all things, will you be wise or a fool? Foolish or wise? Neither. So Buddha says all these things exist in relationship. They are not existential. They are just concepts. And we are so much bothered about these things which are not. You are too much bothered if you are ugly. You are too much bothered if you are beautiful. The worry is created by something which is not. A relative thing is not. It is just a relationship. As if you have drawn a design in the sky. A flower of air. Even a bubble in water is more substantial than relativities. Who are you if you are alone? Nobody. Somebodyness comes in relationship with somebody. That means just to be nobody is to be in nature. Just to be nobody is to be in existence. And you are alone, remember. The society exists only outside you. Deep within you are alone. Close your eyes and see whether you are beautiful or ugly.
both the concepts disappear. Inside there is no beauty, no ugliness. Close the eyes and contemplate who you are. Respect it, not respect it. Moral, immoral, young, old, black, white, a master or a slave, who are you? Close the eyes and your aloneness, every concept drops. You cannot be anything. Then emptiness arises. All concepts nullified. Only your existence remains. This is one of the deepest meditations Buddha discovered. To be nobody. And this has not to be forced. You are not to think that you are nobody. You have to realize. Otherwise your nobodiness will be too heavy. You are not to think that you are nobody. You have to simply realize that all things that you think you are, are relative. And truth is absolute. It is not relative. Truth is not relative. It does not depend on anything. It is simply there. So find out the truth within you and don't bother about relationships. They differ. Interpretations differ. And if interpretations change, you change. Something is in fashion. If you use it, you are modern, appreciated. Something has gone out of fashion. If you use it, you are out of date. You are not respected. Fifty years before, that was in fashion. And you would have been modern. Fifty years later on, it may come again in fashion. And then again you will be modern. Right now you are out of date. But who you are, changing fashions, changing concepts, relativities. One of my friends, he was a communist, but a very rich man. And he never felt the contradiction. He was a bourgeois, well-fed, never worked by his hand. He had many servants. He belonged to an old royal family. And then he went to Russia in 1940. Came back and he told me that wherever I went, I started feeling guilty there. Because whenever I will shake hands with anybody, I could feel immediately that the other has felt that my hands don't carry any marks of a laborer. 
They are not proletarian. They are bourgeois, soft, feminine. And immediately the other person's face will change and he will leave the hand as if the man is untouchable. He told me in India, whenever I will shake hands with anybody, my hands are appreciated. They are beautiful, feminine, artistic. In Russia, I felt so guilty about my hands that even I started to think how to destroy their softness. So nobody looks at me as an exploiter, a bourgeois, a rich man, because labor has become a value. If you are a proletariat in Russia, you are somebody. If you are a rich man, you are a sinner. Anything is just a relative concept. In India, we have respected because Swami's sannyasins and that has been so in China also, before Mao. A man who renounced the world was the most respected man, and the society cared about him. He was the highest peak of humanity. And then communism came to China, and thousands of monasteries have been destroyed completely, and all the monks, respected men of the past, have become sinners because they have to work. You can eat only if you work. And begging is exploitation. It has been prohibited by the law. Now nobody can beg. A Buddha is born in China will be very difficult for him now. He will not be allowed to beg. He will be thought an exploitator. Even if Marx is born in China and Russia, he will be in difficulty. Because the whole life he never did anything than reading in the British Museum. He was not a proletariat. He was not a laborer. And his friend and collaborator, Frederick Engels, he was a very rich man. They are worshipped like gods. But if Frederick Engels comes to visit Rasa, he will be in difficulty. He never worked. He lived on others' labor. And he helped Marx. Without his help, Marx could not have written Das Capital, our Communist Manifesto. 
But now, it is different. In Rasa, he will be in difficulty. The fashion has changed. Concepts change. Remember this, that that which changes is relative and that which remains unchanging is absolute and your being is absolute. It is not part of relativity. The viewpoint that nothing exists except in its relationship of subjectivity and objectivity. If you understand this standpoint well, contemplate on it, meditate on it, suddenly you are illuminated within and you see that everything is empty. One day, when Subhuti was sitting under a tree, in a mood of sublime emptiness, remember the word sublime emptiness, because sometimes you also feel empty, but that is not sublime. Sometimes you also feel empty, but not ecstatic emptiness, a depression, a negative emptiness, not a positive emptiness. And this distinction has to be remembered. A negative emptiness means you are feeling a failure, not understanding. You have tried to achieve something in the world and you have not achieved. You feel empty because the thing you desired you couldn't get. The woman you wanted you couldn't get, you feel empty. The man you were after escaped, you feel empty. The success that was in your dreams could not happen, you feel empty. This emptiness is negative. This is a sadness, a depression, a frustrated state of mind. If you are feeling that way empty, remember, flowers will not shower on you. Your emptiness is not real, not positive. You are still after things. That's why you are feeling empty. You are still after the ego. You wanted to be somebody and could not. It is a failure, not an understanding. So remember, if you renounce the world through a failure, it is not renunciation, it is not sannyas, it is not true. If you renounce the world through understanding, that is totally different. You don't renounce it as a sad effort, frustration within, failure all around. You don't do it like a society, remember. If your sannyas is a society, then flowers will not sour on you. You are living. You must have heard Aesop's fable. 
a fox was passing and there were grapes but the wine was high on a tree she tried and tried and jumped but they were beyond her reach so she went away saying that they are not worth they are not still sweet and ripe they are sour she couldn't reach but it is difficult for the ego to realize that i am a failure rather than recognizing that i have failed they were beyond my reach the ego will say they were not worth your many sanyasins so called saints are just like that isops fox they have renounced the world not because they understood the futility of it but because they were failure and it was beyond their reach and they are still filled with grudge and complaint you go to them and they still will be against talking that the wealth is dirt and what is the beautiful woman nothing but bones and blood to whom they are trying to convince they are trying to convince themselves the grapes are sour and bitter why talk about women when you have left the world and why talk about wealth when you have not concerned about it a deep concern is still exists you cannot accept the failure yet an understanding has not arisen whenever you are against something remember understanding has not arisen because an understanding for and against both disappears in understanding you are not inimical to the world in understanding you are not condemning the world and the people there are if you go on condemning your condemnation shows that somewhere there is a wound and you are feeling jealous because without jealousy there can be no condemnation you condemn people because somehow somewhere unconsciously you feel they are enjoying and you have missed you go on saying this world is just a dream but if it is really a dream then why insist that it is a dream nobody insists about dreams in the morning you wake up and you know it is a dream finished you don't go telling people that whatever you are is a dream remember one trick of the mind you try to convince people about something just to convince yourself because when the other feels convinced you feel okay if you go and talk to people that sex is sin and they are convinced are they cannot refute you 
you come happy. You have convinced yourself. Looking into others' eyes, you are trying to cover your own failure. Negative emptiness is useless. It is simply absence of something. Positive emptiness is presence of something, not absence. That's why positive emptiness becomes a power. Negative emptiness becomes a sad, depressed state of mind. You simply cave in yourself. That's all. Feeling a failure, feeling dejected, feeling everywhere the wall and you cannot cross, feeling important, you denounce, you condemn. But this is not a growth. This is a regression. And deep inside you cannot flower, because only understanding flowers, never depression. And if you cannot flower, existence is not going to sour flowers on you. Existence simply responds you. Whatsoever you are, the existence gives you more of that. If you have many flowers within your being flowering, millions times more flowers will sour on you. If you have a deep depression, the existence helps that too. Million times more depression will come to you. Whatsoever you are will knock at your door. Whatsoever you are will be given to you more and more. So be careful and be alert. And remember, a sublime emptiness is a positive phenomenon. One is not a failure. One simply looks at the things and understands that dreams cannot be fulfilled. And then one never feels sad. One feels happy that I have come to this understanding that dreams cannot be fulfilled. One never feels depressed, hopeless. One feels simply happy and blissful because I have come to an understanding, now I will not try the impossible. Now I will not try the futile. And one never says that the object of desire is wrong when you are in positive, sublime emptiness, you say desire is wrong, not the object of desire. This is the difference. Negative emptiness, you say the object of desire is wrong. So change the object. If it is wealth, money, power, drop it. Make the object God, liberation, heaven. Change the object. If emptiness is perfect and sublime and positive, you don't see the object as wrong, you simply see desire is futile. Objects are okay, 
but desire is futile then you don't change your desire from one object to another object you simply drop the drop the desire itself non desiring you flower desiring you become more and more paralyzed and dead one day when subhuti was sitting under a tree in a mood of sublime emptiness empty but happy empty but filled empty but not lacking empty but overflowing empty but at ease at home flowers begin to fall around him he was surprised because he was nobody he never expected if you expect they never flower if you don't expect they flower but then you are surprised why subhuti must have thought something has gone wrong flowering on subhuti nobody no one and that too when he is empty not even thinking of god not even thinking of liberation not even meditating because when you are meditating you are not empty you are doing something and filled with your efforts not doing anything subhuti must have become alert that something has gone wrong gods have gone crazy why these flowers and there is not season he must have looked at the tree and he must have looked at himself again that on me flowers are flowering he could not believe remember whenever the ultimate happens to you you will be surprised because you never expected it you were not waiting for it even you were not hoping and those who are expecting and waiting and hoping and praying and desiring it never happens to them because they are so tense they are never empty never relaxed universe comes to you when you are relaxed because then you are vulnerable open all doors open from anywhere god is welcome but you are not praying and you are not asking him for to come you are not doing anything when you are not doing anything just a mood of sublime emptiness you become the temple and he comes in a mood of sublime emptiness flowers begin to fall around him he looked all around what is happening we are praising you for your discourse on emptiness the gods whispered to him he couldn't believe he was never expecting he couldn't believe that he is worthy are he is capable are he has grown 
we are praising you for your discourse on emptiness the gods whispered to him they have to whisper they must have looked the amazed eyes of this subhuti surprised they said we are praising you don't get so much surprised and don't be so much amazed be at ease we are just praising you on your discourse on emptiness but i have not spoken of emptiness said subhuti i have not spoken anything you have not spoken of emptiness we have not heard emptiness responded the god this is true emptiness and blossom flowered upon subhuti as rain start on the stint they said we are praising you for your discourse on emptiness and he was not talking to anybody there was nobody he was not talking to himself because he was empty not divided he was not talking at all he was simply there nothing was being done on his part no clouds of thought were passing his mind no feelings arising in his heart he was simply as if not he was simply empty and the god said we are praising you on your discourse on emptiness so he was surprised more he said what i have not spoken of emptiness i have not said anything they said you have not spoken and we have not heard this is true emptiness and you cannot discourse on emptiness you can only be empty that is the only discourse everything else be can be talked about everything else be else can become a sermon an object of sermon everything else can be discussed are good but not emptiness because the very effort to say anything about it destroys it the moment you say it it is not there even a single word is enough and the emptiness is lost even a single word can fill you and the emptiness disappears disappears no nothing can be said about it nobody has ever said anything about it you can just be empty and that is the discourse being is the discourse emptiness can never become an object of thought thoughtlessness is its nature so god said you have not said anything and we have not heard that is the beauty of it that's why we are praising you rarely it happens that somebody is simply empty 
this is true emptiness. And he was not even aware that is emptiness. Because if you are aware, something foreign has entered into it. You are divided. You are split. When one is really empty, there is nothing else than emptiness, not even the awareness of emptiness. Not even the witness is there. One is perfectly alert, one is not asleep. But the witness is not there. It goes beyond witness. Because whenever you witness something, there is a slight tension inside, a subtle effort. And then emptiness is something else and you are something else. You witness it. You are not empty. Then emptiness is again just a thought in the mind. People come to me and they say that I have experienced one moment of emptiness. And I tell them, if you have experienced, then forget about it. Because who will experience it? The experiencer is enough. Enough a barrier. Who will experience it? Emptiness cannot be experienced. It is not an experience. Because the experiencer is not there. The experiencer and the experience have become one. It is an experiencing. Allow me to coin this word. It is an experiencing. It is a process, undivided. Both the poles have disappeared. Both the banks have disappeared, only the river edges. You cannot say, I experienced because you were not there. How can you experience it? And once you enter it, you cannot make it a past experience. You cannot say, I experienced. Then it becomes a past memory. No, emptiness can never become a memory. Because emptiness can never leave a trace. It cannot leave any footprints. How emptiness can become a past memory? How can you say, I experience? It is always in the now. So it is experiencing. It is neither past nor future. It is always an ongoing process. Once you enter, you have entered. You cannot even say that I experience. That's why Subhuti was not even aware what is happening. He was not there. Any distinction between him and the universe was not there. No distinction. All boundaries dissolved. The universe started melting in him. He melted into the universe. Merging, melting, oneness and the God said this is true emptiness and blossoms soured upon Subhuti as rain.
this last line has to be understood very very carefully because when somebody says that you are empty immediately the ego can come back because you will become aware and you will feel something has been achieved suddenly the gods will make you aware that you are empty but subhuti is rare extraordinarily rare even the gods shouted around him whispered in his ears and the flowers were showering on him like rain he didn't bother simply kept silent they said you have spoken you have given a discourse he listened without coming back they said you have not spoken we have not heard this is true emptiness no ego that the true happiness happened to me now i have become enlightened otherwise he would have this he must have missed from the last point and immediately flowers would have stopped showering if he had come back no he must have closed the eyes and he must have thought these gods are mad and these flowers are dreams don't bother emptiness was so beautiful that now nothing can be more beautiful than that he simply remained in his sublime emptiness that's why and blossoms showered upon subhuti as rain now they were not falling few here and few there now they were showering like rain this is the only story about subhuti nothing is said about him anymore nowhere he is mentioned again but i tell you the flowers are still showering Subhuti is no more under any tree because when one becomes really totally empty, one dissolves into the universe. But the universe still celebrates him. The flowers go on suffering, but you will be able to know them only when they suffer for you. when god knocks at your door only then you know that god is never before all arguments are futile all discourses not to the point unless god knocks at your door unless it happens to you nothing can become a conviction I say about Subhuti 
because this happened to me and this is not a literal thing and this is not a metaphor it is literal I had read about Subhuti before but I thought that it is a metaphor beautiful poetic I had never even a slight notion that this happens actually I had never thought that this is a realistic phenomena the real thing that happens but now I tell you it happens it happened to me it can happen to you but a sublime emptiness is needed and never be confused don't ever think that your negative emptiness can ever become sublime your negative emptiness is like darkness sublime emptiness is like light it is like a rising sun negative emptiness is like death sublime emptiness is like life eternal life it is blissful allow that mood to penetrate in you deeper and deeper go and sit under trees just sit not doing anything everything stops when you stop everything stops time will not be moving as if suddenly the world has come to a peak and there is no movement but don't bring the idea that now i am empty otherwise you will miss and even god's start flowering flowers on you don't pay much attention and now you know the story don't even ask why subhuti had to ask you need not and even if they whisper by themselves that we have heard the true emptiness and the discourse on it don't bother and the flowers will sour like rain on you too enough